line at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. I'm Ryan Aber from the Oklahoman, joined by fellow beat writer Joe Masato after Oklahoma's 34-27 to win over Texas at the Cotton Bowl on Saturday night. And, and Joe, we have to start with Oklahoma's defense. They were phenomenal for large, large chunks of this game. Yeah, I mean, it was an inspired uh, whatever you know adjective you want to use defensive performance for the Sooners and just a total opposite of, of what we saw from them in th- this game a year ago I mean you can't help but make the um, one year historical connection Mike Soups gets fired after this game a year ago and then the defense comes out allows three points um, in, in the first half and, and just you know sets a was it a pro tied a program record in tackles for a loss or it was a so, no, sorry. Set I brought that up with, uh, with set or tied a program record with the uh, nine sacks. Yeah, um, the second most tackles for loss in uh, this game in the OU Texas game. Yeah, all that to say, I mean, they just played great defense against a really good offense. Yeah, and the the tone was really set from the beginning by uh, Kenneth Murray, Oklahoma's middle linebacker. He was phenomenal. Uh, finished with five tackles. Four of those though were in the first half, and he was. A monster out there running all over the field sideline to sideline um just making yeah, plays from the get-go yeah and you know tom herman was asked about him after the game and just said he's a great player i mean he couldn't add much more to that and then there was a follow-up because he says that um tom herman said that kenneth murray is excelling in the scheme that he's playing and now um referencing a new scheme under alex grinch basically how you know what OU is doing now he said it's not complex he didn't mean that as a slide at all but he just says it allows all these great athletes that OU have recruited to just go out put them in space where they can make plays and that's what we've seen Kenneth Murray do I mean it goes back to the you know speed D mantra whatever you want to call it I mean it's it's worked so far and we we kept saying well we'll know after Texas we'll know after Texas (laughs) um now we know that you know we don't know where it is, you know, nationally, this defense where it would rank, but it's just worlds better than it was a year ago. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. It wasn't just Kenneth Murray either. I thought the secondary held up well overall. There was a couple of uh, of plays where things broke apart, but even when it did, it was just like the one play, like the, the long uh, uh, run to set up Texas' first yeah. touchdown uh, there what was a 60-plus yard run. That was the first, like, uh you know, it, it just bad-looking play for Oklahoma. But those were very few and very far between. And I thought the secondary, especially the safeties, who we've talked so much about, and I know, again, there's not a lot of depth there. They still need to develop that depth. But Delarian Turner-Yell and Pat Fields held up well in this game. Ronnie Perkins, or not Ronnie Perkins, uh, Buki Radley-Hiles, I don't know where that connection came from, but <laughs> Buki Radley-Hiles, I thought, um, you know, didn't play fantastically. He didn't, like, pop out of the screen. But at the same time, you worried a little bit going into this game what Texas would be able to do against them, especially with Duvernay, and they were able to, to find ways to keep him in check and, and keep the Texas offense in check. And a lot of that, again, started with the pressure up front. Yeah, they got pressure, and this was a rare occasion when we saw the Oklahoma defense back up the Oklahoma offense so many times. It's been the other way around. Um, but after the offense scored on their first possession to make it 7 to nothing, 
then Jalen Hurts had those back-to-back turnovers and then a punt. Um, but during that time, Texas only had punts. So the Oklahoma defense responded even when they were put in um, – n- not put in terrible situations uh, field position-wise, but just how, you know, so often OU scoring on every <laughs> possession that, you know, they don't have that pressure. But this game, I think they did have the pressure and they responded. Yeah, they did. And we'll talk about the offense and, and some other things in, in the second and third segments tonight. But we'll, we'll focus – uh, primarily on the defense here, um, I, I thought Neville Gallimore was another guy who was uh, disruptive again tonight. I think he finished with the four tackles, two sacks. Um, Oklahoma, nine sacks, 15 tackles for loss. Just incredible. That's crazy. Especially, and again, we'll talk about offense later, but uh, uh, Texas didn't sack Jalen Hurts once. They only had made the four tackles for loss. Just a big difference in this game. Probably the one area of concern, Joe, though, is yet again no turnovers. I know this is something that just eats at Alex Grinch. He wants to just crawl out of his skin over it. Um, But they were able to hold up without those. But still, they've got to figure out a way to start forcing some more turnovers on that side of the ball. Yeah, it was kind of a strange game from that perspective because usually in a game you see – oh, like they missed that opportunity or they missed that one or a dropped pick. There was maybe one of those. But yeah, I can remember one. I can't even remember who did it. It was yeah. right there, sort of at midfield, close. Um, right where you're pointing. Yeah, uh, right for, where I'm for pointing everyone who can for, for everybody who's watching and this <laughs> podcast on video. Uh, but... Uh, no, Joe, that was for your sake. <laughs> but it's but not like you they know, missed a yeah, ton of yeah, opportunities. It wasn't like like last week there's several of them you point out where he, yeah. you know, they should have got those. This week it, there wasn't about that. It was, you know, Sam Ellinger I thought played pretty well overall. Just one, he had pressure in his face the entire day. And two, um, Oklahoma just protected so well on the back end that it made it difficult for him to, to pick out receivers. Yeah, we we talked to Ronnie Perkins a little bit after the game, and he kind of smiled because someone asked him about the trash talk from the Texas <laughs> offensive lineman. It didn't exactly well, it, age no, well. It, no, it really didn't <laughs> on, on Cosme's end. Now, let's say this. The plays that Ronnie Perkins and Neville Gallimore made in general, and I, you know, I haven't gone back and watched the film and analyzed this, but didn't seem to come – over Sam Cosme. Um, no. But the problem you run into when you make statements like that is you make life difficult on everybody else that's yeah. around you. I mean, now they were probably going to be fired up regardless. Well, but yeah. Of course they remember that. And, you know, you're probably thinking that at least in the beginning of the game when you're lining up against those guys. Yeah, but those guys got out to uh, a quick start just looking at uh, the very first Texas drive of the game. I mean, Right off the bat, you had uh, Delirian Turner yell, uh, making a, a tackle for loss in the uh, in the backfield, a, a, a two yard gain from Devin Duvernay. You had uh, Kenneth Murray, which was almost a horse collar tackle. It was sort of off to the side, uh, which is why there was no flag thrown, and rightfully so. But uh, I know that fired up the Texas folks, but it also fired up the OU side as he makes uh, a big tackle uh, for no gain right off the bat on a pass, and then Gallimore with a sack. So this defense set the tone right out of the gate. Yeah, it's kind of hard to even pinpoint which er- which area of an improvement 
um, you know, is more glaring in a good way. Is it the pass rush, the things you're seeing from Gallimore, or is it the tackling, which we, we've they've just been it's just so much more sure tackling this year than we saw a year ago. Yeah, it is. I think for me, it's the pass rush though, because that the lack of that the last few years really outside again and i say this every time we talk about outside of that sort of uh it's called a rush linebacker spot in here mike stoops called it a jack linebacker outside of that there wasn't a whole lot of push the last couple years and what that did is that magnified the problems that they had on the back end yeah corners had to defend for so much longer uh safeties were more out on an island and and you know put in stressful situations when you take that away when you uh, disrupt things in the backfield and make quarterbacks have to make quick decisions, it changes everything about a defense. And I think we've seen that. I think once you started getting the pressure is when everything else started becoming so much more simple for this defense. Yeah, and and things have clicked. It's part personnel, it's part coaching because Gallimore has been here. Perkins was here for a year. I mean, he's obviously improving in his sophomore season, but then you're adding guys like Jalen Redmond and Laron Stokes, who I thought both played well. I mean, they've they've got the personnel, and now they seem to have the scheme that fits that personnel. Yeah, so uh, a fantastic performance from Oklahoma's defense uh, today, holding Texas to 310 total yards, just 100 yards on the ground. Uh, really impressive. Texas had been able to uh, move the ball pretty consistently on the ground recently. Now, yeah. Roshan Johnson I thought was really yeah. good. Uh, Especially gaining, for a quarterback. He, yeah, he gained 95 of those yards. but And 57 was on one play. Yeah, making life difficult, which is the long play I referenced earlier. I think I said 60-something. It was actually 57. But, uh, you know, making life difficult on for Keontae Ingram and obviously Sam Ellinger just had a heck of a day, uh, you know, trying to stay clean in the pocket. So um, a really good performance from Oklahoma's defense. Uh, definitely their best of the year, I thought, and probably their best in quite a long time, maybe since Ohio State yeah. uh, in Columbus a few years ago. Yeah, I mean, you can remember much better than I can, but I mean, <laughs> I, my, my, my major still. point of reference is uh, last year when I got here, and it's for sure the best performance since then. They, yeah. did, they did play well against <laughs> Texas in the Big 12 championship game, but not this well. Right. Yeah, not, not this well for sure. All right, we're going to take a break there on the Sooners Extra podcast. We appreciate you so much for listening. Uh, the Sooners Extra podcast is presented by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com. Welcome back to the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's. I'm Ryan Aber here for this segment with a different cast of characters after Joe Masato was on the first segment. Columnist Jenny Carlson, who is a, a regular contributor to Sooners Extra and a new face. Ryan Sharp, sports editor of the Oklahoman, who made the drive down, and we made sure you got some work in. The other Ryan is what we'll call me for now. <laughs> yeah, it's really confusing when the three of us are in the office together because obviously we're both Ryans, and Jenny's husband is another Ryan, and it just 
gets confusing. He but. becomes my possessive, my Ryan, because I don't know how else to I don't know how else to talk about him and not make things seem strange. Like, a lot of last names being thrown around in the office. What are you going okay. to dinner with Ryan for? No, my Ryan. Yeah, it can be confusing. Yeah, but the reason uh, we wanted to have uh, you on, Ryan Sharp, is because 30 minutes before the game, the team's uh, going through their warm-ups, and then all of a sudden a little uh, – kerfuffle <laughs> breaks out at uh, midfield and it looks like the general you know the thing we see a lot of times in a game like this a little bit of pushing and shoving no big deal and then all of a sudden uh mike defee uh mr arms the referee <laughs> reaches into his pocket and pulls out a flag and lets it fly you got a chance to talk to him after the game yes yeah, so just a little bit of inside baseball a lot of times with referees and things like that Instead of sending a mass of reporters to, to ask them questions, um, they'll pick what they call a pool reporter um, and have one reporter go and ask questions for the entire, uh, well, pool of reporters <laughs> um, that, uh, uh, that they'll feed quotes to and things like that. So um, I came to the game, got put to work, and <laughs> sat down to talk to Defee, and it was, uh, it was really interesting, um, mostly because he was still pretty lathered up about it. <laughs> A good 15 minutes after the game was over. Um, and he even said himself that the second half, everybody pretty much minded their P's and Q's and didn't do much. Um, but Mike and his arms uh, <laughs> made a post-game appearance, and uh, he talked to me about it for about, oh, five minutes, I guess. And yeah, um, it was really interesting. Uh, he talked for a little bit about he, – he called it an embarrassment, um, which might be a little overstating things because <laughs> um, I don't know what you expect. When you send both teams down a single ramp, um, you let them both warm up at the same time. They both have the same pregame tradition of punting a ball towards midfield and then running towards the middle of the field. Um, and then you put them in this atmosphere with a stadium that's already divided in half, and it's something like this is going to happen. Yeah, but to see it 30 minutes before the game, though, is what was really uh, eye-popping. And then uh, Defee continued the commentary on it <laughs> at the coin flip, Jenny. <laughs> It was one of the most interesting things I've ever seen. I mean, uh, uh, Mike told Ryan that uh, in his pool report that he'd never thrown a flag pregame before. They have a jurisdiction an hour one before, hour before the game, yeah, an hour before kickoff. But um, yeah, even more interesting, I thought, was him making a statement to the captains that is then being uh, piped around the stadium and i'm sure on tv people saw it as well basically saying hey listen this is the best rivalry in college football and we're gonna play it with sportsmanship are right? we clear it reminded me i my mom used to uh, do a lot of antique shopping and so my brother and i would have to kind of deal with it and hang out with my dad and it reminded me so much of my mom going into a shop and uh, my dad and uh, me and my brother kind of being in tow and going in behind her. My dad turned around looking at me and my brother and saying, we are going to mind our manners. We're not going to touch anything and we're not going to say a word. Are we clear? <laughs> it's what it reminded me of. Um, so yes, Mike Defeat kind of playing the uh, the dad of, of OU Texas football. Well, he did it. And apparently when they went back in the locker room, unsurprisingly, uh, that was a big topic of conversation as Lincoln Riley's getting his players ready. Hey, Everybody's got an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. One more, and you're out of the game. There's no, uh, you know, buildup to it at this point. So you've got to be careful. Uh, 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 Mike uh, talked about that. That uh, the first half was still some chippiness going on and, and some emotion, and then everything sort of calmed down and it turned into a regular game uh, at halftime, Jenny. But uh, are you surprised that nobody else got ejected as this game went on? 
Yeah, I, I was, you know, because especially, you know, after they have the flag thrown, then for whatever reason, the teams go to exit at the same time, as Ryan said, <laughs> up the same tunnel. And so you saw him kind of get into it again, and I thought it might bubble over again. Finally, the officials got over there um, to, to kind of get in between the players. I don't think they wanted to have a situation, uh, obviously, but uh, you, you, there's only so much that those those officials can do in holding back you know, a hundred plus guys that are getting after each other. But you know what, if, uh, if, if sort of having to be mindful of not having anything bubble over for fear of being tossed out of this game, if that led to what we saw, we saw a heck of a football game today, guys. I mean, a, a first half that was a lot about defense, uh, Oklahoma holding Texas to a field goal, uh, Texas, turning over Oklahoma twice, once uh, uh, causing a fumble by Jalen Hurts, the other time intercepting him in the end zone. So, you know, and then it was sort of offenses at play more in the second half. But, you know, I thought it was a fantastic ball game. If there was a lot of talk and a lot of John in the, in the first half of the game, it sure didn't show to me. I thought they – I thought both teams played a really – pretty good ball game out there today yeah and that's how it's supposed to be though like i i don't have a problem with the jawing and things like that if if <laughs> if we came to a game in this stadium with this crowd and both teams just kind of trotted onto the field and ignored each other that wouldn't be what this game is <laughs> um every year no uh, which sort of makes you laugh at all the players this week and and to their credit most of them didn't act like this was just another game but a fair amount of them are like, yeah, this is just another game we're going to pre- – no, it's not. But they say that about every game. Um, and they can well, play yeah. a national championship game and they'll <laughs> say, well, this is just the next game on our schedule. No, it's not. Um, so, I mean, like I said, I would much rather have it this way than the alternative. Um, as long as there's really no, like, brawls that, that break out, that would obviously be terrible. But, um, but a bunch of John and, and guys puffing their chests up a little bit, that's what this game is. Um, it's uh, it's happened however many years that we've seen these teams come onto the field at the same time and try to leave at the same time. This stuff's yeah. going to keep happening. Which I thought was interesting at halftime, Jenny, that I was looking at the teams getting ready after the field goal to go up the ramp, and Texas' staffers were just bolting down to stop their players from trying to go up the ramp. They just let Oklahoma go ahead and get up before they uh, went up. What we didn't see today, well, I'm not going to say didn't see because I actually was watching the pregame pushing match or whatever you want to call it at at midfield, and I saw one player, there might have been more, but I was looking in my binoculars, saw one player from OU throw the horns down, but we didn't see a penalty for it. Um, at any point during the game, I didn't notice any OU players doing it. I'm sure some did it. Well, I I didn't know, notice any players doing it during the game. Yeah. Everybody did it after the game when they're taking their uh, team picture with the scoreboard in the background. But horns down wasn't a big uh, topic of uh, discussion today. No, it definitely. Thankfully, it, it, yeah, <laughs> it definitely wasn't. And you know, I think that. Lincoln Riley probably had a little more teeth behind his mandate that they weren't going to do horns down after that pregame unsportsmanlike penalty on everybody. Um, I think that probably held even more water. I don't know if that was another talking point, but I'm sure that in, in mentioning to his guys, hey, listen, we need you to be smart. We need you to you know, not
not hurt your team by getting yourself ejected. Um, that was probably at least mentioned um, in the in the pregame uh, locker room after that that flag. But yeah, it definitely on the field wasn't a thing, but in the stands, I mean, you couldn't you couldn't glance into the stands anywhere <laughs> in the uh, red side of the field and not see somebody doing horns and no matter yeah. what time of the game it was the fans oh, yeah. i mean that's well, all it's all the rage now i mean as uh i i'm pretty sure i can't remember if this was as uh i was walking over to the red river rivalry radio set this morning or as ryan uh, sharp and i were walking back uh you saw a lot of t-shirts referencing the horns down thing there was one that said penalize this with the uh, horns down there was another one that said something that i cannot repeat on a family podcast um that uh just a four-letter word that you can imagine what it is that says uh uh, that texas with the horns down on there so it's clearly some shirts were more classy than others shall (laughs) we say yes and it wasn't like they, there were no asterisks. There were no... Uh, Here's a question. You know. though. We wrote about this a, uh, several years ago, I think, about the, the idea of, of OU fans buying all these Texas emblems and then flipping them upside down. Yeah. Well, and these were like... Are these like the hand the, signals? These were made with the hand signal. Okay. And they, In the shirt. So they weren't like officially licensed. But I will say this. Texas makes a lot of money off OU fans buying those stickers to stickers put on their and car. Flags and flags and everything else to put on their car. And every one of those that's officially licensed puts money into uh, UT's pocket. So we're going to wrap up that segment. We're going to be back uh, with some of the same people, maybe somebody different. Maybe if Barry Trammell uh, joins us for our third and final segment, we can talk uh, a little bit about offense and about the big picture of this day. Thank you so much for listening to the Sooners Extra podcast. Please uh, go to the uh, apple store or the google podcast app or wherever you listen and drop us a review we really appreciate it and thanks for tuning in each week this is the sooners extra podcast presented by zaxby's welcome back to the sooners extra podcast presented by zaxby's taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. So for this segment, it's not a completely different crew. It's just an all-star crew of segments one and two. I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about from segment one, we have fellow beat writer Joe Masato. And from segment two, we have columnist Jenny Carlson. Hopefully Ryan Sharp won't listen to this. Otherwise, uh, (laughs) he is the boss. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean. He's, he's, he's like the coach of the all-star team, right? Oh, exactly. Oh, quick thank you, <laughs> Joe. Way to go. <laughs> yeah, good save, Joe. Listen up, I appreciate Ryan it. Sharp. Um, <laughs> so we talked about offense. We talked about uh, pregame and horns down and all the, the other parts of this game. Or we talked about defense, excuse me, in the first segment. We're here to talk about offense. And uh, Joe, so many times this year and really in the last uh, five years, Oklahoma's offense has set the tone for this team and taken control. Today they didn't do that. They score on the first drive, and then it becomes a little bit of a, a trudge for them. Uncharacteristically, 
took Oklahoma's offense a while to get going. Yeah, and it, it really kept Texas in the game. I mean, when you look at those drive charts, Oklahoma's defense went punt, punt, punt against Texas. Um, and, and OU had that early score. Could have had two other early scores if not for red zone turnovers by Jalen Hurts. You know, I think at this point it's past the point we're, we're past the point of expecting him to slide just because that's not what he wants to do. <laughs> but one well, one he ball did got it knocked a couple times today though, and yeah. it wasn't pretty. We'll talk about that in a second, Joe. Sorry. Yes, but but one one ball knocked out on the on him not sliding. That was the fumble. Then through an ill-advised interception where he just sort of. Um, threw the ball up when he was facing pressure. So uncharacteristic mistakes in a big rivalry game, but settled down um, after that, really, for the offense. Yeah, Jenny, Joe mentioned that he settled down, and even with uh, uh, the struggles that Jalen Hurts had today, he had his moments, including one just phenomenal play where he takes the ball, he's trying to elude pressure, and basically has a guy sort of hanging on his legs, his feet, and he flips the ball behind his back from from one hand to the other, is able to escape, and then completes a uh, pass to CeeDee Lamb for a first down. Yeah, one of those things that I don't think they teach you at uh, quarterback school or uh, anywhere for that matter. It was really just instinct. You know, Jalen Hurts is getting hit on his on his right side. The ball kind of ends up on his on his hip, you know, on his waist in the back, and I guess he just thinks you know what I, I i can't hold on to it and so he grabs it with his offhand and then brings it back to his throwing hand in front of him so definitely not something that you're practicing but uh he is uh you know quick on his feet thought about it gets the ball off and yeah and even though you know 16 to 28 not not a fantastic day you know uh, did have the interception and the fumble both red zone turnovers for jalen hurts leaving points on the on the table I mean maybe even as many as 18 in the first half because they also settled for a field goal at one point in the red zone but the 16 completions when you look at it 235 yards and I know that CD Lamb had a ton to do with that but still uh, his yards per completion compared to Ellinger I mean Ellinger had 25 completions but only 205 yards it was I think it was 8 8.2 or something like that for Ellinger much tougher sledding, uh, didn't really have anything long today, and Jalen Hurts found ways to get the ball in his playmaker's hands that then allowed them to go for some bigger plays, most notably C.D. Lamb. <laughs> yeah, Joe, let's uh, pick up with C.D. Lamb there. Uh, a phenomenal game from him uh, to have, what was it, 171 yards on, on 10 catches, uh, three touchdowns, but the, one, the two that really stand out to me are the two touchdowns in the second half where – so much of the focus with CeeDee Lamb in the offseason was on making plays after the catch and uh, extending those and, and picking up those yards. Today he did that in a big way on two critical, critical touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, I you know it was on a much, much bigger stage, obviously, but it was very reminiscent of that Tech game two weeks ago. <laughs> where, yeah, where he, and those were his two best yeah. receiving yard uh, performances of his career. Yeah, but the... The, the commonality between the two is, you know, it wasn't those deep shots. It was, you know, getting the ball in the middle of the field, having four or five guys surrounding you, and somehow finding your way out of it. It's it's f- funny because a lot of people are sharing these photos on, on Twitter of, you know, C.D. Lamb, just still shots of him and then, like, three guys around him. And it's like, <laughs> C.D. Lamb scored a touchdown on this play. And then if you press on the video, it just he spins out of it or breaks tackles. But yeah. he's gotten so strong that, you know, he, I don't know. Now he, he he's always had the hands. Now he's got the strength. He's got the speed. There's really nothing he can't do. Yeah, uh, Joe, want to stick with you for talking about that 
that first or the second touchdown of the day, the 51-yarder for him where he catches it. There's five Texas defenders within just a few yards, although even though there were five Texas defenders that close, he still had time. None of them were extremely close, so he still had time to adjust to the ball in flight and not just about catching the ball because you knew he was going to catch the ball when Jalen Hurts lobs it up mm-hmm. there. But it was so much more about what he's going to do with that uh, with the ball after he caught it. Yeah, and not only catching it, not only breaking the tackles, but tiptoeing his way down the sidelines. I mean, it was just um, kind of an all-time performance for him on, on the biggest stage of the mm-hmm. season. I know. I mean, I know that Jalen Hurts is you know the he- Mr. Heisman right now. He's all the rage, and he was he was he was good today. But after you watch what C.D. Lamb did, you have to think, is the right guy getting the Heisman hype? <laughs> that, that guy, well, I mean, he's, yeah. he is just dynamic. And he hasn't had a ton of opportunities in early games because there's been a lot of blowouts and there's been ball distributed around a lot. But you can see in a game like this, when you need your stars to be stars, it's obvious who that guy is in the receiving court. It's CeeDee Lamb. Yeah, and I think it's going to be hard for CeeDee Lamb to garner any Heisman talk because of, one, what Jalen Hurts has done, and obviously he's eating up a lot of that. The way that Oklahoma spreads the ball out, uh, you know, this isn't a Tylen Wallace situation where there's, you know, you know he's the guy who's going to be leading the charge for them offensively every day. You know, it'd be interesting if this wound up being like a couple years ago when Baker Mayfield and D.D. Westbrook went. I don't think that's probably going to happen now, and obviously there's a lot of football left to be played. But the thing about Lamb is uh, you cannot do too much in rolling safeties over in, you know, bracketing and things like that because if you do that, that opens up so much space for Jalen Hurts in the run game as we saw early. And guys like Charleston Rambo and uh, uh, Nick Basquin made a big catch today. And uh, some of those other guys, Jaden Hazelwood, who we've seen a lot, didn't make a catch today, I don't think, uh, unless I was mistaken. No, Braden uh, Hazelwood. Or, I'm sorry, Braden Willis. Braden sorry. Willis had a big catch. But, again, this offense just stresses you so much as a defense, it's hard to concentrate on taking a guy like C.D. Lamb away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we saw – you know that UCLA game they tried to he said that was the only game in his college career where they just played a safety permanently over the top of him and then I think that was Rambo's big day yeah and it just it doesn't work I mean when you've got other guys around him yeah so Oklahoma's offense I think it's going to be all right Uh, obviously this Texas defense as many injuries as they have is still a, a pretty good unit they've got all kinds of players all over the field I will say this about Oklahoma's slow start. You know, we heard all week, and I don't know how much of this is true and how much of this was subterfuge, but Lincoln Riley saying that Eric Swenson and Adrian Ely were very unlikely for this <laughs> game, and then both of them played. Now, they may not have practiced much. I would – that I could buy because if they're hurt, if they're questionable, if they're trying to get healthy and just play, that hurts your practice time. And, I, you know, I, you, you saw some, some times where – much like last week, as Joe referenced against Kansas, you know, there were times that 
stuff got thrown up and when Jalen Hurts was under distress and he didn't get intercepted, you sort of saw some similar things today. Early, you wonder, well, was that kind of those guys getting their feet back under them a little bit uh, if they didn't practice a bunch? But, yeah, I'm the same way, Ryan. I don't see this as some big red flag. I think Texas defense will probably be one of the better, especially with the front. I mean, their front is really good. That'll be one of the best uh, defenses Oklahoma plays all season, uh, you know, regardless of uh, how far they get down in the postseason. Joe, finally, let's talk a little bit of big picture uh, with this game. Uh, obviously, Oklahoma now in the driver's seat for the Big 12 title and, you know, that uh, top seed in the Big 12 championship game. November's going to be tough for them. But also uh, a couple of results today that should move OU up uh, a little bit in the rankings. We know already that Georgia got beat by South Carolina. Uh, you know, obviously there's a big game between uh, Florida and LSU later. The loser of that game, uh, you would think there's a good shot that OU, uh, well, if it's LSU, if they jump them. Um, so um, OU looks a whole lot better resume-wise now than they did coming into this game. And also, uh, Tech gave Baylor everything it wanted uh, over in Waco tonight. Yeah, I mean, I still think that that game in Waco will be tough. But, you know, OU came into this game undefeated but without a marquee win. Without really, I mean, a, a good win, I guess Texas Tech, that, that win's looking better and better, especially after what they did tonight. But now they got that marquee win. Um, and, and moving forward with the you know, back half of the schedule that's loaded up much more than the first half, it, it's really, you know, record and rankings don't really matter at this point. If they keep winning, I mean, they're going to solidify their spot. <laughs> yeah, but OU fans should feel a little bit better about it today than they did uh, a week ago and a couple weeks before yeah. that as they've uh, sort of slid down, I think, as other teams picked up marquee wins. The Georgia Not loss was huge for them. Yeah, it, it no doubt was. So we're going to wrap it up there on the Sooners Extra podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, ask us questions. We always answer mailback questions uh, late in the week as we will certainly preview West Virginia this week. You can reach out to me through email, R-A-B-E-R, at Oklahoman.com, or on Twitter, at R-Y-A-B-E-R. Joe? Uh, at Joe underscore Masato on Twitter, and then J-M-U-S-S-A-T-T-O at Oklahoman.com is my email. Jenny? How about Jay Carlson at Oklahoman.com, and then Jenny Carlson underscore OK on Twitter? All right, you can find us there. Uh, we really appreciate you listening. Once again, the Sooners Extra Podcast is presented by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com. You can check out our work every day at oklahoman.com and every morning in the Oklahoman for the best OU coverage anywhere.